Meeting is called to order. Let's have a microphone check, please. Test. Test, one, two. Test. Testing, testing. Test, test. Testing. Testing. Hello? There we go. Okay. Um, before we get started, I would like to thank a lot of people in this room for the great job they did helping, and certainly city staff, and Mrs. Leto was out there volunteering. I see a lot of people here, Wendy Welch, and um, the Chamber of Commerce people. Um, everybody was out there and pitched in, Shane Yoakum. And uh, I really do appreciate it, and I think we had a, a banner year in terms of our uh, Benton City Days. So thank you all very much for that. If I miss someone, do you? No, I just thought it was wonderful. I've gone to, for years to Benton City Days. It's the best time I've seen for people. Yes, it was fantastic. We had more people than I've ever seen in town, and they stayed. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, we will find somebody that, let's have Mr. Lee give us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, roll call, please. Councilman Lato? Here. Councilman Sandretta? Here. Councilman Mumbler? Here. Councilwoman Stady? Here. Councilwoman Coates? Councilwoman Coates messaged me earlier saying she would not be here and asked us for, to excuse her, although I believe that doesn't go with what we've passed as procedure. I think it would be up to the council. I'll move to excuse. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Councilman's excused. Reading and approval of the minutes. I would like to ask the attorney if um, we can table Executive session. Oh, no, cannot. Sorry. Okay. Madam Mayor, I move to approve the meeting minutes from the last regular meeting on September 3rd, 2019. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Or executive session requests. Mayor, I booked. Thank you, Mayor. But I do need to make the council aware of a few things. I think it's probably the best place in the agenda to make them aware of those items now, uh, so they can decide how to proceed with the next item, which would be approval of the agenda. Just record me. I just want to make sure everybody can hear me. Okay, sorry. Let me yell. Okay, so, uh, so essentially, 
Mm -hmm. Well, I need to make the council aware that obviously one of the items on the agenda for this evening is a public hearing to uh, receive and evaluate a complaint against a public officer. Uh, I have been in uh, contact uh, both uh, uh, with uh, Mr. Saxon as well as uh, other attorneys. I uh, have spoken uh, at length uh, and tried to uh, kind of wrap our, our minds around uh, the situation. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that uh, it presents a conflict or it presents a potential conflict for me to be able to represent the council in that proceeding. Uh, the, the allegation is uh, made by a council member, whom obviously I represent the council in their official capacity, and I also represent the mayor. So uh, that is a situation that uh, could lead not just uh, to an actual conflict uh, at the time uh, that the council is receiving and evaluating that complaint, but it also uh, leads to other potential conflicts. Uh, since then, uh, uh, Mr. Saxon has uh, offered to uh, have the mayor uh, uh, waive, uh, partially a limited uh, waiver of that conflict. Uh, going forward, looking at that uh, a little further in depth, that doesn't, in my opinion and in others, uh, doesn't solve the conflict. Uh, the conflict could arise uh, in, in the situation of when you're evaluating that, and it, there might not be an opportunity for me to conflict out after that. Uh, at that point, I would be conflicted out from the entire city. That's not something I'm going to take a risk on doing. I'm sorry. So uh, anyway, so that I'm not comfortable proceeding with that representing the council in this hearing tonight uh, as, as your attorney. My recommendation would be for you to obtain conflict counsel. I'm happy to, to be able to obtain that for you and be able to uh, put you in, somebody, uh, in contact with somebody who can do that, who could, who could then represent you uh, if you felt that that's what you needed uh, through the proceeding. That's your decision. That's just my recommendation for you to obtain conflict counsel. If you wish to proceed, you have to know that you're going, uh, you're doing so without advice of your typical counsel because I am conflicted out and I'm not going to put myself in that in that tough spot. So um, that's where we're at. Uh, I wanted to make sure that you were clear on um, what, what where I or my position is, and uh, so that you can decide based on when you get the next uh, item uh, whether you want to proceed with uh, your public hearing or if you want to strike that from the agenda and then be able to uh, have that. Um, at a later date when uh, you're able to have a uh, separate council. But I just needed you to be aware of that and let you know that uh, this is a uh, unique situation and a lot of thought went into uh, making sure that, that we're trying to do it right. So. Okay, uh, shall we move on to the next uh, item of the agenda? So my thought is I could just do the executive session and just say it in general terms or table it for another the public hearing. Public. I'm sorry, the public hearing in general terms or um, table it for um, the next one when I could potentially give it in more detail. Are, are you talking about, are you referring to the public hearing or are you referring to the... The, the public hearing, yes. public hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, I could opinion, say in general terms. Sure, well, my opinion is in it's not clear that there's a, a perfect answer for this, but it's my opinion that um, how you would do, if you decided that you want, you didn't want to proceed with the hearing this evening, uh, you would need to make a motion to strike that from the agenda, remove from the agenda tonight. Uh, you could then, obviously, somebody would have to second that. It would have to be approved to be stricken from the agenda. It's currently been properly noticed, and it's on the agenda 
uh, as a public hearing. So you would need to move to amend that now if you don't want to proceed with that. Um, but uh, that's how that's what that procedure would look like. In the interest of the city, I would like to strike that and bring that up later time. Make strike a motion. I make a motion to strike the. Don't we have to have a time certain? Uh, no. So what what you're uh, it sounds like what you're requesting to do is move to strike the hearing from this evening's uh, uh, agenda mm -hmm. and. Uh, if you want to, uh, you could do a couple of things. You could either um, move to strike it and, and have it reset to a date certain, or you could move to strike it and then you would just have to, uh, it would have to be properly noticed uh, all over again uh, uh, to be brought back at a different date if you don't have a date certain. Okay, yeah. I would like to have it brought back at a date unspecified at this time to strike it. Let me make a motion to strike it from the agenda for this night. Are there any visitor comments? I motion we approve the agenda as amended. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Your motion carries. Um, are there any visitor comments this time? Yes, sir. So, yes. so there is, who are the principals to this conflict and what was the conflict? Or because we've now struck it to, until the next meeting or what have you, is it a moot point? It's a moot point. It's a moot point. So we're going to push it under the rug and forget it? No. So there was a hearing scheduled for this evening uh, under uh, RCW 4230-110-F that was to um, uh, for the council to receive and evaluate a complaint against a public officer. Uh, the, the person who, uh, or the council has, uh, that was properly noticed and on the agenda, and the council has moved and then seconded and then voted to strike that item from the agenda so it's not uh, no longer on the agenda for this evening's meeting and would need to be uh, properly, uh, would need to be requested and properly noticed uh, to be brought back. Thank you. That wasn't the motion, though. I didn't set the time certain on it. Okay, um, if there are any other comments from the audience, I'd like to take them now. Okay. Hearing none, we'll move on to um, regular reports. It's the sheriff's report. It sounds like Benton City was a it was a, a success, um, at least from a law enforcement perspective. It was really quiet. 
Um, sound like the tenants were high school at the time. Congratulate all of you for that. So in August, you had 318 calls for service with 25 infractions and 27 case reports. We had two burglaries. Uh, that's down from last year, which we had three in the same reporting period. And then six deaths, four from last year. So it was an increase in deaths. However, five of those, five of the six of those were cleared by arrest. So we were able to uh, bring justice to the victims in those cases. And that is all I have. Um, certainly glad to take questions if you have any. I have a question. Sure. Um, I, the source is Facebook, so you never know if that's truth or not, but it does seem like there is a group of kids that are roaming the street and causing a lot of issues, mischief, um, personal property issues. Are you guys aware of that? Is well, I noticed, I didn't notice it this month, but the last month I did notice some malicious um, mischief that I would consider probably related to kids. So um, that probably exists. It certainly didn't expose itself to by the way of reported crimes in this period. Okay, thank you. Other questions? Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Okay, we'll move on to the Chamber of Commerce report. City staff, pleasure again to be with you again tonight. Obviously, event city days is finished, and I think it went very well. Uh, I do want to start off with the report by saying a sincere thank you to everyone at this table, to practically everyone back there um, who was attending tonight. Uh, city staff, you guys could have not been more helpful um, with the logistics of this meeting. Kyle and Stephanie, thank you so much. Um, Mary, Jake, thank you so much for helping with the barbecue. Um, Mayor, with the revitalization. Lisa, you attended, you know, attending the concert and attending Ben City Days. Uh, David, for the booth. Margaret, Tri-City Tappers, for an awesome performance. Um, we had a lot of firsts this year, um, which I think was very exciting. Uh, starting off with the first Latino community street dance, I think that went amazing. And we did a great job of reaching out to our Hispanic community here in Ben City. Um, looking forward to seeing that event continue. Uh, I do want to start off by saying at next meeting I will have a full density based report um, with what went well, um, lessons learned, things like that. Too quick of a turnaround right now, but um, again, overall, I think it went well. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, to all of our volunteers and the team that put this together. Um, may I ask that when you do the Lessons learned that you invited some of the business owners from downtown. Yeah, thank you. And I think what we'll do as far as um, the process for our lessons learned is we'll start off um, here within the next week or so, po posting a poll out there to the Ben City community, um, seeing what their input was, what their feedback is on different events in the days of, um, and then having a meeting with uh, the volunteers that were. Um, present at Ben City Days as well as our entire uh, Ben City Days leadership team um, and then extending that invitation to all city and community um, members so that we're getting everybody in to make this event grow and be bigger and better next year. So um, that's what we'll start off with and then we'll get that, that meeting planned. So business owners, definitely. 
I wanted to tell you a comment. Um, the mayor of Bushwickson called me up and he said, are you here at Benton City Days? And I said, well, I left, but I was. And he goes, you have more people at this event in Benton City than we had at our fall harvest. Um, so I was, that's awesome, you know, West Richland. So Benton City beats out West Richland. And um, the- Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be prouder. <laughs> so Benton City beat out West Richland and the number of attendants at the um, events here. And the volleyball players were really pleased to get the second place. And there was about 60 of them. And it was the first time we combined the middle school and high school. So they love participating in that. Yeah, so thank you for that opportunity. Thank you. That's, that's, that's <laughs> um, yes, a lot of exciting things. And I think the only, um, the only thing that I think putting out there to the public, I don't think the day, um, Saturday during the day, could have gone any better. Um, I think. Facility-wise, we need more restrooms, we need more garbage, because we weren't expecting that kind of turnout. Um, the barbecue, Manny, you just did an amazing job. I think there's over 2,000. Yeah, there was over 2,000 tokens purchased, yeah. and I was busy the whole time, and nobody stopped. I mean, there were still people wanting, wanting to buy tokens, but yeah, it was extremely busy. And vendors, um, you know, just quick diving into that city, but it was really hard to recruit at first vendors to come into Ben City just when we went to Art the Park and things like that um, they weren't really sure what Ben City Days is and the feedback we've received thus far has been nothing but we'll be back next year and it's going to be better. That, that is one comment I got over and over are you guys going to continue to do this mm -hmm. so they were hoping that they will do it again next year. And one more comment there were six um, local communities that all had something going on on the same day between Fiery Food Fest, West Richland, Atomic Days, Connell. I mean, there were six neighboring Hell communities. Canada. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so it was amazing to even get a, a good attendance. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but I'll set up for next next meeting and we'll, we'll dive in deeper into that. Uh, moving into the report that's in front of you for August. Um, so as far as Facebook um, engagement and numbers, we've reached in August 12,300. Um, engagements 10,300. Um, again, the difference between reach and engagements is reach are the people that see it, engagement is the people that interact, like, and comment, and things like that. Facebook new followers 158. Um, people who the amount of people receiving the chamber uh, newsletter is 593. Website clicks 466. Instagram followers 174. Um, visitor Information Center 118, and we gained two um, business members this month. Moving to the meat of the report, um, again, a lot of our attention and focus has been on Benton City Days, but what you can expect at the next report um, is a detailed plan of what are the, um, the proposal for the all community leadership meeting plan um, for December. In November, you will see the first draft of our five-year plan for the Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Information Center uh, that will include um, how we develop our community engagement. Uh, community volunteer recognition uh, reception, you will have that proposal um, at the October meeting. Um, and then again, just highlighting that thank you, thank you, thank you to Ben Cities. Uh, next event coming up is our downtown trick-or-treat event, which we are already in the planning stages of. Um, I think you guys are going to be very excited. We're going to be continuing the downtown, you know, shutting down the street, um, going around to the local businesses to engage with the business owners and 
Um, also incorporating a chunk or treat element in the city park. Um, we'll bring hopefully back um, the live band. I think that it seems to be a real success um, at our events. And then um, our chamber team is already partnering with Heritage um, to put on a haunted house in the community center. So it's gonna be a good, good event. So. And then Winterfest, when the stage is out, then that's, those are the events for the rest of this year. So um, other than that, I will include in your guys' meeting packets for next meeting um, all this information as well as the treasurer's report I told you guys in your packets today. Um, is there any questions? Okay, staff reports, I believe, are all in the packet. Maintenance um, um, report, code report, treasurer's report, uh, council committee report. Any council reports? Yeah. Um, ben, ben Franklin Transit is really um, stepping things up there. Um, they've accepted a contracted bid for first and last mile so that after uh, the bus routes stop, they can still get people home like for, like within that half an hour. So let's say the bus buses stop at 10 o'clock. They can still get the people that work at the mall home with that first and last mile. Um, it's an agency that's been, that started in New York and Chicago and, and Southern California and now another a couple other rural towns and they're providing their own vehicles I think they're either by Mercedes or um, BMW, and they're providing the, the vehicles, um, many of which have facilities to be able to pick up people in wheelchairs. And they, they told me, but I didn't get the final details of how they're gonna help us with Route 170. So, um, you know, you've been heard, and they're, um, they're excited about it. So they just accepted the proposal, and we're gonna be on the cutting edge of some above all the other transit agencies because it's going to make it more, we've already tightened things up within about 30 minute transfers and now um, it's gonna make it so it's a little bit more efficient and faster and kind of get people home. And so that way um, it might even just be people to the, the feeder stations, but it will get you from the place, from the bus stop to the feeder station or from your home to the feeder station. And they can, um, they can adjust as we go. So we said start out conservative you know, get people to the to the feeder station, get them on the Ben Franklin Transit to the locations, unless it's at the very end of the route or the beginning, then they need to get home or to that initial space. And then afterwards, they can change the algorithms to make them a little more broad. And they showed us a prototype, and it looks kind of like the Lyft and Uber, where, you know, you, it knows your location, and you can see a, like a little um, balloon that shows where you want to go, and it and it tells you how long it'll take you to get there. And you know, they may pick up somebody else on the way, just like in Lyft, if you say that you wanna have a group ride or you don't mind if somebody else gets on. Um, in this case, somebody else would get on, but they have a, um, they have a ETA for you. So I think it's gonna be very exciting, and I'm glad about it. But we're, we just heard about it for the first time on, on Thursday. Yes. Do we have any ETA on when Ninth Street will be repaired and re- mm -hmm. Or new and improved because yeah. having traveled today, yeah. it's kind of a mess. Yeah, 
I don't know the death, the time on that. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, what you call EFT? Did they know what to call them and ask? They didn't tell me, but they they said they appreciate people's patience. But I know it's a mess. Yeah, they're working on improving that. But excited and looking forward to things to come in that in that regard. It's called VIA. Are there any questions to Mr. Kurth about his maintenance report? Did somebody hit a fire hydrant? Did I read that wrong? Yeah, somebody bumped into one of the guys that had to go test it to make sure it was still working properly. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> we will move to the items for approval. First item is change order number two for the force main project. So in front of you is change order number two. So this is <coughs> to do the crossing on Babs at night. Originally that wasn't in the uh, original bid proposal to do the work at night. Basically, I think we looked it up and we were about 15 days of difference of when we cut in the street, the you know, 15 days earlier that we had put the, the bid out or bids were due or something. So we, we figured that out afterwards that we needed to do that night, that work at night. So there's obviously extra cost added to that for flaggers at night, lighting, getting, you know, crews and different people here at night versus during the day. So this is that added cost to not have two-hour delays in town. We can probably recoup this from the 09 money, can we not, if we fill it? Yeah, it's all part of the project. Okay. Madam Mayor, I move to approve change order number two to the force main and lift station project to account for costs associated with performing the Babs Avenue crossing at night for an increase of $9,483.04, bringing the total project cost to $759,266.21. Second. Roll call, please. Councilman Sandretta? Yes. Councilman Nopler? Yes. Councilman Matteau? Yes. Councilman Stady? Yes. Motion carries. Okay, Mrs. Leto, take it away. Madam Mayor, I move to approve uh, payment of claim check numbers 30068 through 30095 with EFTs as listed in the amount of $76,071.60 and payroll check number 30066 through 30067 with EFTs as listed in the amount of $77,965. And 87 cents the 17th of September 2019. Second. Roll call, please. Councilman Sangredo? Yes. Councilman Lato? Yes. Councilman Stady? Yes. Councilman Milford? Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> moving on then 
to items for discussion. Uh, the first item is cost sharing with the library bench. Barbara uh, Thompson from the Loris Foundation. Good evening. Good evening. Um, Cheryl Perra, our president of the Loris, has some packets that she put together to for the council. As you walk into the library, on the left-hand side, we would like to have the council's permission to put a bench there that matches as best we can the one that's already there on the right side of the entryway on the porch. And um, this bench would be from Wabash Valley Manufacturing Incorporated. Um, the cost that they gave me was $1,095. The shipping is $310, but they had told me if we could get it ordered before September 30th, they would give us 50% off on the cost of shipping. And also, on this particular bench, it already has a memorial plaque in it that we can have engraved. And um, we would like to have the founding members of the Lores, Carolina Lores Foundation's names engraved in that plaque for all the you know, work and effort that they had done to help this library build. Well, without these four or five people, there would be no library, no new library. And I'm just curious, I, I gave all of you the hours, I'm just curious how many of you here tonight have been to the Benton City Library? Good. I recognize a few of you. That's very good. I'm glad to see the library was built in February, finished in February of 05. So it's almost 14 years old. Isn't it beautiful? It is, it is. I love it on the inside and the view when you're looking down. It's a beautiful yeah. view. It's very nice. It's really the nicest library in the Columbia Library System. It is. Without a doubt. <laughs> And the students really enjoy it, and I love that it's close enough that you can bring them there and let them, you know, check it out and get out, get the cards. It's really easy to see. Them. Thank you. Also, um, we would also like to inquire if the council's in favor about cost sharing with us, partnering with us to purchase this bench. What was your? What's your? Yes, and um, also um, we would need to have possibly city maintenance um, install the bench and um, possibly be there when they unload it mm -hmm. if we can get council's approval to place the bench. I think it's a great idea. Can we put that back on the agenda for next meeting? <coughs> And then the ordering that the ordering yes let, let me make a suggestion okay. whatever amount you decide to give them is within the amount that I can authorize and so and you know in the spirit of getting this ordered in time I would be happy to sign the check for you ahead of time so that you can do that and with their approval can we do yeah. that <laughs> ahead of time <laughs> okay 
So no, the mayor's correct that that's okay. definitely in her uh, okay. spending authority. Um, the only question I have is I, I mean I know we have many other items that the city is calling, uh, I guess uh, I guess conjunction with the library. So, uh, but I just it is a little. This is for um, is it's starting to sound a little bit kind of like a donation though for a particular person's memorial. Okay. So. I just no, would want to. No. You said it's a memorial to, for the Loris Foundation. Is that? I, I think I think it would be fine. I just uh, would want to double check and make sure that we're not uh, confusing a couple of different things because I know we can we can support uh, the library and it's obviously for public uh, benefit. So, um, but yeah, I think. Can we focus on the fact that it's the bench? So we actually have a policy for memorial benches along with the five You didn't hear me. Oh, okay. Well, my voice isn't very good because I yelled meat hog too many times at the meat raffle. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so um, you're requesting a donation from the library, from the Lores Foundation, and then you can order this. Um, I think that would be the easiest, but so I guess my question would be, is this the only manufacturer of this type of bench? Or that is where the first birth bench was okay. purchased from, and we wanted to get one from there in hopes that they could match the benches. Okay. And the closest one that we found would be the rib pattern, and we would like it to be brown color okay. to match the one that's there. Okay, um, the next item for discussion is the Adonai proposal. This is for the marijuana money that we take in, um, giving it to education for, or at least services in uh, drug education. My name is Jill Whitman, and I am the director of Adonai Council and Employment, and we have been in business for right out a year right now. Um, some of the things that we do in our business, the scope of our work is we <coughs> work with individuals and uh, helping them attain uh, employment. We help them <coughs> in the longevity of their sobriety. We help with the youth. Um, helping them to go to school, we help them stay in school, um, uh, peer counseling, and essentially what we do is we provide services by linking those um, 
in need to state and federal services. And um, sometimes that's working through many different barriers and, um, and almost always involves substance use. Um, the stats currently show that 50% of the people that are facing those kind of barriers are facing substance use at a 50% rate. So it, it's, it's a high rate. Um, I provided you with one of the um, papers in the background of Adonai. Some of these we do, the history, where we come from, the services we provide. And then the second one is the scope of the work proposal um, that you had requested or as a recommendation from the last meeting. And um, some of the things that uh, we're asking for for the scope of work is um, we're, we're looking at accessibility, information, and resources to members of the Benton City community. Um, some of the uh, local organizations or uh, the places that we serve, we're working with the Uni Gospel Mission, um, the men's shelter, we work with the women's shelter, we work with the DSHS, CSO office, we have a contract with the state, we work with Coyote Ridge Correctional Facility and the Benton County Corrections uh, Office, the jail, and the Coalition for Healthy Benton City. We're um, involved with that, that's in the beginning stages, but we're involved in that as much as we can. We go to local and um, uh, trainings whenever we can to stay abreast. In fact, we are going on Monday. We have the Washington uh, Summit that we'll be going to in uh, Stanwood. So um, some of the things that we would be providing uh, is we would be providing bus passes and tickets. As it was talked about a little bit earlier, some of the challenges are is transportation is a big barrier for a lot of people. and. It takes about two hours to go one way and two hours to come back, and that's a really big barrier for those that are already have uh, challenges in front of them. Uh, we help with driver's license and the financial part of that. Um, clothing uh, for interviews, for employment advancement, for office supplies and resume writing. We help them um, fill out applications for social security, disability. We help the vets that come in. Um, we help with a, a food supply that we're always replenishing, uh, personal hygiene kits, which we call blessing bags. Um, and we're getting ready to go into the fall season. That will become a really important thing for us to do. Um, and then uh, working with the chamber and working with Coalition Healthy Benton City, we're hoping to like get some community resource information packets distributed amongst the, the community so that um, the information is out there so people know we're here, they know we're a resource. Uh, we're reaching out more and more on, on the social media and we're able to, I um, made contact with a gentleman last night from Benton City that was on the streets and he needed some help and that kind of thing and, and it was substance use as part of the issue. And so it is an issue um, and it's something that we can assist in those that are in current addiction that are in, and those that we can help in the preventative side as well. So, do you have any questions? On page two of your letter, <coughs> yes. you list that you would like to request the funds uh, to provide training to your case managers, care counselors, and instructors. Specifically, you'd like to utilize these funds for training in early childhood trauma, youth prevention, and the opioid ep epidemic. I totally support all of that, please don't get me wrong. What you've just said you'd like to utilize these funds for or is, is something totally different? Yes. I, I would just like to see something more, I guess, generalized and not set in stone specific. How you use the funds really doesn't matter to me, but 
if you're going to list one thing and use it for something else, so I would just like to see it list what you're using. And we can do that. I kept it pretty sure. broad tonight. I figured it was the first request, and then whenever uh, feedback I received, I can come back and, and narrow that down. Absolutely. So Thank you. I appreciate that. It might be a good idea to sit down with Stephanie to see the type of format okay. that would be needed. Mm -hmm. If you could do that sometime next week, and she's mm -hmm. here, and that way it'll be just right for them to Sure. That would be great. Now, are you guys a nonprofit? We are for profit, and we have a nonprofit side as well. Okay. So I, I guess I would like to know the legal size of us being able to give them those funds. Well, fortunately, I have, uh, uh, Tom decided to join me for this evening and just done most of the, the research, so we'll be taking uh, comments from the audience this evening. So, um, Tom, uh, Thanks, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure, he, he did the research on what, where the funds could go, um, and Tom, I'm not sure if you're ready to chat about that, but. Yeah, yeah, um, do I need to? Please. Uh, okay, well, in short, uh, um, Councilwoman uh, Lateau, what, um, the statute allows pretty, you know, like I mentioned last time, just in the minutes, the statute allows pretty broad authority. I'd want to just take outside of um, the council meeting a cursory glance once there was a little more than a cursory glance, once we had a more specific proposal mm -hmm. that the council had settled on, um, just, you know, following up on Councilman Mokler's um, concerns there. But once we were able, obviously, um, council would be more comfortable to not with the nonprofit arm here. But um, I, I think my answer at that point is we'd just like to take a look at the proposal um, once we ascertained what, what it was. But it seems like based on just the oral presentation I heard and without having looked at the um, thing in front of me that we, we should be within safe territory based on what the statute allots. Again, it is very broad. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Glad I let him come. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay. The, um, the next topic is the data analysis and uh, data interpretation, and I have put in your packet some of the questions that I have for designing this uh, traffic counting. And I think uh, it's pretty explanatory what I wrote there. Uh, we'd like to have the objectives of the data gathering clear. Um, if, if it is to uh, determine where the speed signs should go, that's one objective. Could have other information like locations of the sign. Um, so, like to have clarity on those. I don't need this information tonight, but I think it's something that council should uh, decide upon. For example, I'm, I'm looking at what length of time you would might want to monitor any given stretch of roadway. Um, weeks, months, days. Um, and exactly where do you want the data collected? Do you want them collected on every single street, or do you want to pick your streets, or streets that have only one stop sign? Um, uh, I'm also interested in how you will use this information to make the decision. 
because I want to give you the information that you need to make that decision. Um, what are the kind of information that, that you might need, like metadata or any kind of uh, institutional knowledge that could be beneficial to you in making your decision? Maybe you want to interview the sheriff's department to see what their recommendations are. You might want to know how many parking spots are along the streets that you might want to put in a sign. So I'm just asking you to think of these uh, types of data so that we can put together a meaningful sampling program that's cost effective and uh, doesn't take forever. We want to get these signs in as as soon as possible. So that's my request to you on this. I thought we had discussed a lot of these questions I think last, last time. We, we put out the reasons why we wanted to go this direction, and there were at least two streets that we wanted to put those on uh, to see if there are our speeders, okay, time of day, uh, sure. 7th, and we you guys mentioned 7th and... 13, uh, 14. Yeah, I mentioned that, but I don't think you had a Well, those were... Well, yes, I just... We, I think our comment was, if we go this way, we have the ability then to also put it on other streets eventually. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was our comment. But those two we know we might have issues on. So I believe that's where we had talked about putting them. But we wanted to know if cars are speeding, how many... It would give us those kinds of and, and time of day. Um, yeah, that's another thing I really want to need to look at the time of day. And yeah, I need to go. Do, I don't know if any of I didn't look at the minutes close enough to see if those uh, some of those items are in our minutes from last meeting. Actually, I think it was uh, a few of them. It wasn't all. Of them. It wasn't all of them. No, that's what I was thinking. And also, the decision to place any sort of traffic control sign has to be made by an engineer. That's a legal requirement. So ultimately the council wouldn't make that final decision. It would go based on the engineer's recommendation. Right. We were just giving the reasons why we thought to go that direction versus just putting up uh, signs. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we put them in the right places. Okay. So that is your objective. That was what I my understanding. <coughs> Yes, that's one of the objectives. The other data collected can be utilized in a hundred different ways, probably. It's, yeah, just it's already put out there, but I, what I'm trying to do is avoid um, manipulating that data. If it's just stored somewhere, that's one thing, but if we have to take it and manipulate it, put it in a spreadsheet or some format that you can read, then to me that's information that we don't need for your decision. We can store it, but in order for you, I'm trying to get the stuff together for you to make a timely decision. So, Kyle, in your research, have you looked into the software at all? Yeah, so with meeting with uh, West Richland that's using this data, the um, traffic counters come with the software for it, and the software itself is broke down and will break down everything that we've mentioned time of day how fast car is going what type of car it is it breaks that all down when you take it off of the counter itself and download it onto the software so it's not 
Well, I, I saw that the software in the particular package you off, you were offering was $10, so it was inexpensive, but it said that you did need to have it exported to either another computer that can handle word processing or Excel. And so I'm talking about that data manipulation might take a few hours of somebody's time. And so I don't know how many parameters you want to analyze for this decision. And we can store the data and later you can say, well, now I'm interested to know um, the exact speed of everybody on every street. We can pull that out, but we have to put it in the computer. I'm just saying there's more to it than just collect all the data. I understand that, but usually the software is going to be user-friendly, I would hope, that we would be able to figure that out pretty easily. Well, I hope we can. So I don't think it's going to be a time. I think you're, are you thinking it's a time-consuming thing? I'm just objecting to spending a lot of time and effort collecting a lot of data that you're not going to use right now in your decision. I would like us to focus on the decision and get these get the solution as quickly as possible. I mean, on one extreme, you could put these counters on every street in town and wait until you've got all this data before you make a decision. Well, I'm not, uh, personally, I'm not in a hurry to get the sites up. If it takes us six months or a year to get the sites up, I'm okay with that. I want the data and I want it, I want to know where we need to put the signs before we make a quick decision. So that's why I want to go this direction and I don't feel like we should be under a time constraint. Um, I, and yes, once we get those counters, we can figure out, talk maybe with Alan and, and <coughs> Kyle and figure out where they need to go in a time frame to get a good, uh, good information and then go from there. But I am not in any hurry to put up any more traffic signs right now. And I don't think we should rush into it. I agree. Um, I heard Stephanie say a, an addendum that I didn't know about the, the engineer. Maybe it'd be wise to get the information from him where placement, placement options are, and not every street, but within the, the within a zone um, where it's busier. And then that way we could kind of work backwards. So have the overall umbrella of options of where they could go. And then that would help direct where we may want to put the, the assessment. I think you could also talk with the sheriff and find out where the places they they recommend, and then we could measure those spots. And that would be, to me, more effective than doing the whole city oh, and right. trying to right. determine out of all of that right. information. That's what I'm getting at, right. is if you have metadata or institutional knowledge that you can use to make that narrow your search right. for the purpose of finding it. That was our plan, I to go to specific streets yes. that are complaint streets That's what I was asking. I and start there. I planning to put it on every street in town. However, we, it, once we purchase it, we have it available to be able to put it wherever we need to put it. So if we have an issue where people are calling in for a complaint on it, traffic congestion. And you can also yeah. Stephanie, you would, you, would you speak to the code or to the requirement? Well, so basically every, all of the street design and street signage is regulated by the MUTCD. So basically like how we have a building code or um, 
that so depending on width of road and there's a lot of different factors that go into what kind of side sign like size and all of that and that's where that all those regulations are about. And so we have that adopted and that regulates all of that um, but we do um, require that the actual decision making on that that's not a legislative decision that is um, an engineer so then your job is to determine the locations that you want to sample. The sign will have to be put up by the engineer. But you can determine where you want to sample. More than that, I believe the engineer has has to be the final decision maker decision maker as to where the, the it would go. So we can't decide that would have to be for the engineer to decide. So so based on like citizen or recommendations, you know, the, the counters could go out and, and collect the data, but ultimately the engineer would be the one to analyze and determine appropriate signage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. And I think that's what we have at home. I think that's what we said last time, yeah. Okay, so then the only parameter that I heard besides what I have listed here is uh, time of day that you looked at. Speed, time of day. Speed, time of day. I, I wondered if you wanted it put out as how many counts, of, how many speeders per day, or how many speeders per month, or if you wanted to know an exact speed, if you wanted to know some sort of, if it's over five miles over the limit, what numbers would you need? How about this, number of cars, and how many of them were speeding? Okay, over that period of time. Two weeks. So we'll leave your Yes, leave 14 days. Two Get two, okay. two, two poles from each week. sure at the next meeting so I didn't have it on the agenda this time to actually purchase the traffic counters with horse moon down and stuff but I'll have that for next week so if we get that approved then we can order them and also if we need to check with the Department of Transportation briefing on 9th Street 225 I don't know if they'll need an agreement in place for that as well download their stuff we would just get information from them if we wanted to know how many cars are coming through 9th Street when they put their counters out then we'd be able to do that. They provide us with a report. Right. So is it just a printed report? We can't get electronically? Well I'm sure we I mean, could but we're we not should. we don't need we're not no, we don't need our stuff. <laughs> 
it can go electronic format. Right. Okay. All right, well, we can narrow this down and uh, have some recommendations for starting on uh, 7 and 13. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, um, our next item for discussion is the Benton City Municipal Code uh, Review. Good evening again. on the agenda. This is a code review for trailer and uh, uh, parking storage, uh, 2060-100. Um, this is a draft proposal that our office has done based on the last um, council session's um, input. Um, I'd like you to use the uh, non-map sheet for reference and then the map sheet um, for referencing the map. Um, so the goal in this was kind of to reconcile everyone, uh, council, mayor, the cities suggestions with regards to what uh, was looked at for the proposal for um, uh, more flexible and easily in enforceable. Am I not? Oh, okay. Okay, apparently speakers are down. Um, more more uh, reasonably enforceable um, uh, measures with regarding to RV trailers and um, other types of portable vehicles. So um, the first thing, kind of following my notes here, but um, the first thing I want to identify is per code enforcement's concern, which we've heard for some time, is we added in a definition of storage so that when code enforcement is um, addressing these issues with um, with art, with um, basically trailers, boats, campers, et cetera, we can define, um, there's actually a definition of storage there. Um, for code enforcement to work with. So essentially, again, of course there's an ordinance, several ordinance, you can't live in one of these on your own property, but storage essentially we defined as um, the type of vehicles under 206100. Um, it's not in transit, it's not being occupied as a temporary home or traveling residence, which would be for, the, for an invitee there. Um, and again, obviously can't live with it. And it's in long-term containment, holding, or placement. Um, then kind of moving up again, um, I just made sure to identify the, the permissibility for um, these type of vehicles in the in residential zoning. Um, and um, the idea of uh, the 14 days, um, that's just a placeholder day for you guys. Um, again, it's up to the city or, or, or up to the council uh, discretion of how long you'd like to have something parked um, on the street. Um, which again, kind of going to the map, that's the, the, the in, this, in this draft code, that's the division that I made. Um, again, my very um, accurate schematic there. Um, yeah, we've, um, I divided the, the proposed ordinance into either parking on the street or um, parking in the, in a, in a, when I say driveway, I mean a line, I, I follow the code's definition of what a, a driveway, what, what a driveway is. Um, since obviously, you know, uh, code enforcement have a problem with parking your RV or mobile trailer, et cetera, on the lawn. Um, but again, um, yeah. Um, so again, you know, street parking, 
for I again placeholder day fourteen. Another suggestion I heard was a maximum of ten days, um, and um, those parked vehicles would not be um, eligible for conditional use permit. Um, kind of bouncing around to see that was the division between on street and off street parking. Is that as you notice? I followed the um, which was it uh, the ordinance. Um, our own parking ordinance, uh, sorry, not parking, our fence, hedges, et cetera. Let me, I think I put it in here. Yeah, 20, 25, 1, 0, 5, 0, A1. Um, I followed that ordinance with a 10-foot frontage as a line of sight buffer for you guys. So that essentially, uh, to address concerns I heard from council and, and, and citizen notes there, we had, an RV, we had an RV that was in someone's driveway, but say this was a large guy, like you know, 10, 12 feet tall, um, if it's not a certain amount of feet back, then that could easily be blocking the line of sight going down the street. Um, so again, I just adopted there from uh, the edge of, from the edge of the street, although that language might be need to be clarified. Um, from the edge of the street, a ten foot, um, well, just you know, um, a ten foot setback, but really a ten foot buffer for the line of sight um, there. And um, again, the reason that. Um, with in the driveway, I dropped in the, con the potential conditional use uh, permit language. There was for you guys to was for code enforcement to address the situation where maybe this trailer, RV, whatever this vehicle doesn't fully comply with what the code would be. But we don't want a draconian code. Again, this wasn't drafted to be draconian. It's meant to be forward looking, um, especially as we recognize that you know th this isn't you know in the middle of downtown. Seattle, obviously, there needs to be flexibility for the rural needs, and especially large vehicles and um, many of the good citizens here. Um, so again, uh, in short, that was that was my spread of suggestions that I came up with between um, uh, uh, Eric Ferguson's and um, uh, previous chat uh, with Code Enforcement, you guys, in our last meeting. Um, you know, I, if, it, if it's a washout, it's a washout. But I was trying to reconcile with what um, you know we chatted about and. Some other input I heard from you guys. Yes, Mayor. Yes, um, we, <clears throat> JD and I reviewed this today, and we had asked for some additional things, which I don't see here. Um, one of the things that JD uh, and you did mention is that uh, we have 10 days that people can visit in the living in one of those, not 14. Mm -hmm. We also wanted clarification on the comments on the tiny houses. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, going there. And <clears throat> then I had asked uh, for a drawing for someone that has a corner lot, how you would define these setbacks. Um, also, there was um, mention of a street right of way. And to me, that was a little confusing because we do have easements. And so it looks like from your map that you're actually going from the street, like if it was asphalt, it would be from the asphalt back, mm -hmm. 10 feet. And um, the other thing was, what if someone wanted to park beside their garage? Mm -hmm. you don't, right now, that would not be uh, permitted under this. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, uh, Madam Mayor, let me kind of move backwards then just to address, since I know I've been emailing with you and um, uh, 
the city clerk too. Um, so again, on if you look at the map there, it's in the rush schematic. You could you could have a garage. You know, many people, as as you aptly noted, have garages that um, would that would be placed in the middle of the blue, um, wherein it's paved all around the garage, or it's sufficiently within, uh, or there, there's sufficient parking. We'll say a, a, a parking surface that's appropriate. Does it have to be paved? Is that a, is that a requirement? Well, technically, in your code, it um, in um, I got to dig out. It is twenty five seven zero six five general provisions that talk about um, off street parking. Uh, technically, there it does say all primary parking areas and driveways and front yards shall be hard surfaces. Um, however, I didn't just again given the fact that you know as as you and um, you aptly know many of these streets are are um, you know are un, 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 unincorporated and. Um, Furthermore, many of these driveways may not, you know, what is a, I, I don't think it's fair to co-enforcement to get in a tussle about what a hard surface is if somebody is three-fourths paid and then there's maybe some gravel um, that half the chassis of an RV is over and then it's paved again because, the, you know, the original homeowner in 1955 paved it. It never was paved again. So that's why I, even though your code technically does specify hard services for driveways, I didn't want to put that language, that limiting language within the ordinance to um, tie code enforcement. Um, the second thing was, yeah, we can certainly, with your concern about um, unimproved, um, the unimproved streets, we can certainly, you know, find appropriate language. We, we can easily revise the language there um, for the edge, edge of the street. It's just there has to be some way to define what a reasonable amount of 10 feet or whatever, uh, if, if council liked the setback approach, whatever amount of um, space back there would be from the street edge. Um, and um, again, I don't know if um, you had a chance, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, kind of look at my commentary in response, but the tiny houses thing, um, just I, I wanted to um, make sure we were excluding um, mobile, mobile structures such as tiny houses or um, live, we, uh, there's no real legal classification, but these these movable houses where people now live in, um, I that squarely that I removed that language in there, um, in, in when it comes to parking in a I removed the language regarding um, you can't park those things these movable structures on the street to address homelessness concerns because um, based in my experience with other municipalities especially in Seattle um, it's becoming increasingly park um, it, it's still a minority issue but. It is, especially as homelessness is being a bigger problem. When you're on main thoroughfares, people will park structures they live in that have that are on wheels um, in either on either city or private property. They don't live there. They have no invitee status, and it can be difficult to get rid of them. And I, again, in just covering our bases, I don't want to have a loophole in the code that might allow somebody to try to basically squat in a residential area. Um, because furthermore, I can't imagine that um, our good citizens would want um, to have a mobile house sitting in front of their own house, especially if it's not somebody that lived in the neighborhood. Um, and, you know, again, take it or leave it, but it was just a concern I wanted to address in there in my drafted notes. With the way this reads, uh, I can think of one case in particular that a travel trailer is parked behind a fence but may not meet that 10 foot setback. But it's definitely on their property, behind their fence. Does 
that mean they have to move it back to a total of 10 feet behind the fence? Yeah, and it was those exact instances where that's why I put in the conditional use permit option because, you know, I just with Howigan, um, the city's constructed, there are many instances like that. And I can't, you know, you know we, we want to design a code that was, you know, more, more up to date with the use of these vehicles, but that would take into account these natural variances. Um, and I, I didn't want to necessarily try to make some sort of fancy language in there to address every situation. So I just thought um, that if there's a situation like that where, you know, if there is an issue with it, um, with code enforcement identifying that or a neighbor complaining that they could um, perhaps utilize the conditional use permit um, avenue and then um, it, it, everyone's at peace, especially if it's not sure. causing any problems. I don't know if um, um, my uh, superior had any additional no. thoughts on that, but. I... No, the only other thing I would just uh, comment on is that uh, the setback as currently defined in the code is going to be uh, from the property line it's not going to uh, it's not going to have anything to do with the edge of pavement or uh, it's not where the curb is uh, that's going to be defined as property line uh, and so uh, that, that could be many different things many different places so uh, as we all know um, there's a lot of roads in this town that uh, are in places that we don't think they are and, and so uh, trying to figure that out could be difficult that is why I'm uh, maybe moving to a more um, user-friendly definition of setback from what uh, would, yeah. be, would be better. But yes, I agree. But Sorry, go ahead. But by definition, if, even if it's 10 feet off of improved right away, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's off street. That is, uh, that is ironically true, is that you could actually potentially be 10 feet off of edge of pavement and still be in the road. Yeah. Does the city currently charge for conditional use permits? Yes. And what is that? That's the application process, and then once you have a conditional use, it stands as long as you continue that use. I would like to see us come to a better conclusion than a two hundred dollar permit. So, your partner or me. I think with some, some more simplification is needed so that people that live on corners and um, you know, put this in language that common people can understand. I'm having a lot of trouble with it. <laughs> well, I also do want to remind everybody uh, that uh, you know, we do have some concerns with regards to uh, sight lines and right-of-ways and you know, there's some uh, very specific case law out there now that uh, uh, puts uh, some of that burden on us if we don't uh, uh, make sure that we're keeping those sight lines clear and uh, which uh, the most recent example we had was the tree that we had to take down that was in the right of blocking some signage. So those are the those are just some of the things that we want to be uh, clear on is that uh, we're, we're, uh, we have to make sure we stay on that side of. Absolutely and that's why I originally suggested as long as you're able to see around where the, the trailer was parked versus the 10-foot setback I realize that would create a lot of initial work for JV having to visit a lot of these places to make sure that that was being met and talking with the homeowners and making sure they understood where it needed to be parked, where it could not be parked. But I think in the long run, that would probably benefit our citizens a lot better than a $200 conditional use permit. That's a tough regulation to enforce because what you can see around, I might not be able to see I, around. 
I agree. Different heights. So I do want to also say though that the conditional use aspect of this would only it sounds like Tom correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like that would be in these rare situations where they wouldn't otherwise meet the code. Um, but I would also say that um, the simpler this is, the harder it is to enforce, uh, and I know that sounds counterintuitive because uh, these are a lot of unique situations and the more precise that the language is drafted, the more easily, easily applicable uh, it can be for uh, folks where they don't have to um, engage in this uh, expensive special use process. Uh, the, uh, the example I used uh, is parked behind the, the homeowner's fence in his yard, but it may not be a 10-foot setback. So now he's got to pay the city $200 to get a permit to park it where he's always parked it, Never been bothered about it, but to remain legal now, he has to purchase that behind his fence. But the city has either let go if it's incorrect or approved. Yeah, and uh, I may just follow up on that point, Councilman. Um, again, that's why I just said store at the very end of C there. Stored vehicles do not have to. Uh, stored vehicles do not have to receive a conditional use permit unless the code inspector issues a written order to the vehicle's owner or operator requiring the owner or operator to apply for a conditional use permit. The idea there was, again, in keeping it simple there, as the mayor noted, for, um, you know, for, for everyday citizens to understand this, this language there. Um, essentially, what I was trying to say there is that the status quo is okay unless the inspector identifies otherwise, but I can't write in a code the status quo is okay unless the inspector says otherwise. It puts there the burden on the inspector to identify a potential issue. Mm -hmm. um, Lisa? Or the neighbor. No, the neighbor could identify that it's concerned yeah. about. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or a resident or a person on the street. Mm -hmm. So once that's identified, then it requires, that begs the question to say, does it meet the requirements or does it not? Right, yeah. very specific requirements. And then we have to, we have to be considerate of the corners because we want to make sure that line of sight is visible for the drivers to be able to get onto the street safely. Certainly, certainly, yeah. And again, I, um, you know, like the mayor noted and the uh, city clerk as well. I just wanted to see, frankly, what the reception was on this before I um, double checked with the appropriate parties for drafting something for the corners, especially with the other um, code. I just had one other, and I know that originally this only addressed our zones, but is there a reason why this wouldn't be applicable? Zones. Um, I wanted to hear council's input on that because again, you're the representatives of the citizens. I didn't know if there was an issue with this in, in non-residential areas. Well, there isn't today that I'm aware of, but if there were to be, I mean, I've seen it in Pasco quite frequently in the industrial area where somebody pulls a trailer up next to a shop or something. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a whole different set of concerns or. or uh, not just concerns or uh, needs that you're trying to address through public safety in those situations than you would in a residential zone. Uh, obviously, those are for residential zones or for living and, and uh, commercial zones, industrial zones have different needs. So you just, I'm not saying that you couldn't do it. I'm just saying that it would be a different uh, analysis, I think. Um, I think it would be. I think it would be even more so in, in a commercial or industrial area. You're going to have a harder time showing that uh, yeah. uh, there's some uh, safety uh, issues just because the amount of traffic that you're going to have in those areas are going to be much greater. <coughs> right. 
it certainly, yeah, I think it uh, certainly um, possible to look at. I guess my only other concern would be because we have eggs bourbon, which is sort of residential, oh. but not. <sighs> curveball, curveball. Yeah. <laughs> so you might add and eggs bourbon. <laughs> Test your law skills. Ten feet behind the horse. Okay, so I guess you got your marching orders. So okay. Uh, give another shot. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for telling us. Okay. Um, so that's our public agenda for this evening. And we'll take a 10 minute break and we'll go into executive session for how long? We'll stretch out. For five minutes. Meetings adjourned.